You're listening to Westside Church. For more information, visit us at westsideinfo.com. So far we've gone over, we're in the middle of a series called Strong Healthy Families. And we've gone over uh, that strong healthy families are made of strong healthy individuals. We hit on strong healthy families are looking forward. And I just uh, wanted to kind of share something that, that Kevin Booth, when he was up at the men's breakfast, spoke. He was saying how uh, we all have a car, or at least have seen a car, and you see the big windshield, right, that you could see forward, this huge picture of everything that you could see going forward. And then this tiny little rearview mirror to just kind of glance back at what's behind us. And it's a picture of strong, healthy families are looking forward. When we are going through our lives, we're not stuck on past failures or successes or tragedies or any of these things that have happened in our lives. We're looking forward at what God has for us and in our future. And God uses these things to bring about good for our future. Uh, We can get stuck thinking, man, that one mistake I made, that's who I am for the rest of my life. But we, God comes and he forgives and he walks us through these things or this, this tragedy that happened in our lives. These things can, can take hold of us and become who we are, but that's not, called who, that's not who we're called to be. We're called to be who God wants for us to be. And so to look at this big picture, looking forward, yes, these things happened. Yes, God used them for good and using them to glorify him, but don't get caught in these things in our past. Um, and then we, uh, last week, Steve spoke on uh, strong, healthy families are whole emotionally, physically, and spiritually. And today I'm going to be talking on uh, strong, healthy families are walking in freedom. It's going to be encouraging and uplifting this morning. Um, But I'm going to start off with something It's a little bit kind of hard to think about and hard to realize. It wasn't too too far in our past. Um, But we've all heard the saying, we don't know what we've got till it's gone, Right? You, can't, you don't know what you have until it's not there anymore, and our hearts are hurting for it and longing for it and all these things. And I, I once heard uh, a song, they said, you don't know what freedom is until you've learned what prison means. And that stuck with me. Um, just, just hearing that, I mean, I've, I've never been to prison. I've visited some, peop- some folks. Uh, I haven't, I just, you see how hard it is, but I'm going to kind of some, define some of these things. We're talking about freedom this morning, and I feel like in order to paint a, a good picture of what freedom is, we need to paint a picture of what prison or slavery really looks like. So I looked up um, definition of slavery, and it's the condition of a slave. Go figure. Slavery, the condition of a slave. Thanks, Webster's. But then it says bondage right after that, bondage. Um, a state of subjection like a slave. And it, it clarifies, and this can be to a substance or to a person or to another force. Uh, and then the last one that I, that I pulled out was severe toil. Slavery is not how we were intended to live. It's toil, it's bondage, it's, it's rules and regulations, and uh, it's a hard thing. Uh, in the 17th and 18th century, slaves were, I mean, this is throughout history, but I'm focusing on more modern. 
Slaves were taken from their families, taken out of their homes, taken from their loved ones, taken from their jobs, and sold and purchased into something that they were never intended to be. They were abused and beaten severely. They were malnourished to the point of poor health. They were worked up to 18 hours of physical labor a day. Once someone was purchased and sold into slavery, they lived for an average of seven years after that. Slavery is not how we were intended to be living. This is the somber, the hard to think about part. Um, Let me define freedom for us. The state of being free or at liberty rather than in confinement or under physical restraint. So being free from confinement or physical restraint, being tied, chained, bound, exemption from external control, interference or regulation, exemption from the presence of anything, and it specifies freedom from fear, freedom from fear. The absence or release of ties and obligations. So I'm talking about freedom this morning and how we're called to walk in freedom. How we're called to walk, not tied to this world, not tied to the law, not tied to these things that hold us down and hold us back from who God has intended us to be. Not under chains and sold and purchased into something we're not supposed to be, but being freed so that we can operate exactly where he wants us to be. John eight thirty six says, So if the Son sets you free, you are truly free. And now, to bring it into our context, it's, we're talking about a couple different things this morning, but I want to focus on sin in our lives. God does not want us to be subject to sin. Sin, when it's in our lives, it enslaves us. It chains us. It ties us down and holds us back from who God intended us to be. Amen? It does. It does. It affects our thinking. It affects our actions. You know, these things that we once felt like were fine, and we learn the truth, and now we know they're not okay, but they still hold on to us. They still try and pull us back into the grasp that they have on our hearts and our minds. And these thoughts start to control us. These little thoughts come in, and then that little thought grows. If we've seen the Veggie Tales, you know that little lie one that they tell? that You tell this little lie, and it grows into this big monster, right? These little thoughts, they, they do the same thing. These little thoughts, if we don't cast them out, they grow, and they grow, and they grow, and they come to fruition in sin, right? These big, these actions, not just sin, but these actions. We're called to throw these things out and to be able to walk in Christ's freedom and the strength that he's given us to conquer sin. He shows us the way to eternal life with God, and he gave us the freedom, not not so that we can just do what we want, because we know the Bible says that God is faithful and just to forgive. He is faithful and just to forgive us. And so it's not so that we can just go gallivanting around and, and just operating in this sin going, you know what? I know it's not the best for me. I know that it separates me from God, but you know what? He made a way, so he's going to forgive me. And I'm just going to continue living the way I, I, I like living because it feels good right now. 
That's not what he's talking about. He's given us the freedom so that we can, not to do what we want, but so that we can follow him. Amen. If you would turn with me this morning uh, to Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. We're going to read, we're going to get into some scripture this morning. So verse 1 says, So Christ has truly set us free. And uh, in the New American Standard Version, it says, It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Listen, I, Paul, tell you this. If you are counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. If you're counting on the law and following the rules to make yourselves right with God, then Christ is of no benefit to you. If you're trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. For if you are trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. But we who live by the Spirit eagerly wait to receive by faith the righteousness God has promised us. For when people, sorry, for when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there is no benefit in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. What's important is faith expressing itself in love. We get, we get caught in the rules. We get caught in, in trying to make our own way to God. Caught in trying to make uh, our lives perfect enough or good enough or sinless enough to make ourselves right with God. But that cuts us off from the love of Christ and the grace that God has given us. It is by faith that we are saved. Is by grace through faith that we are saved. Uh, just a little further down in verse 13. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If we're living... I'm not going to get ahead of myself. If we continue down to 22, but the, whole, the, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed their passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leadings in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited, provoke one another to anger, or be jealous of one another. If we're living with the Holy Spirit, and we're living by the fruit of the Spirit, then there is no law against such things. It's said right here, there is no law against such things. So these, this Old Testament law that we try to live by, is it wrong to sin, to, to steal? Yes, it's wrong to steal. That did not change. Is it wrong to lie? Yes, it's wrong to lie. Is it wrong to covet your neighbor's wife? Yes. Is it wrong to put any God before God? Yes. Those things did not change, but it takes away. Christ came so that we don't have to follow just the rules and regulations, but so that we can be filled with his spirit, with the fruit of the spirit, and we can be free to live exactly how God wants us to be. Not so that we can satisfy our sinful nature, but so we can use his freedom to serve one another in love. Brothers and sisters in Christ and those who don't know him yet, 
Amen. This is good. This is freeing. This is freeing. So my point number one this morning is that uh, God wants us free from religion. He wants to give us freedom from religion in our lives. And, and then in verse one, it says, so, that, so Christ has truly set you free. Now make sure you stay free and don't get tied up in slavery to the law. So I have an uh, object lesson this morning. I, I, my uh, main ministry is children's ministry. So object, Westside Kids. Thank you, babe. Westside Kids. Um, and so object lessons go a long way with, with kids. And I think that, that that holds true to adults as well. So I have this chain thanks to my father-in-law this morning. Um, and we're talking about freedom, and we're talking about slavery. I'm going to tell you, can I get a volunteer? Someone want to come up here and help me out this morning? Because it might, yeah, why don't you come on up here? So why don't you just hold on to this while I talk a little bit? You know? So we're talking about freedom and slavery this morning. We're talking about freedom and slavery in our lives and the freedom that Christ has given us. Now, when we try to make ourselves right with God by works, that's doing, trying to do good in our lives, trying to do the best things because of in our own strength, right? We're talking about trying to follow the law. We're talking about trying to live holy and pure on our own so that we can be made right with God. I'm going to tell you that Christ has made us right with God. When we believe in him, when we put our sins on the cross with him, he made us right with God. The Bible says that he gave us the, chain, the keys to the chains of sin and death. Is this heavy? Mm-hmm. It's heavy. <laughs> Do you think that you could, you could go on about your life with these chains in your hands and on you? It's bondage. It's being tied down and held Now, when you take these chains and we drop them off of us, we're free. Do you feel lighter? Do you feel free? Unrestricted. Yes. Thanks, Mike. Christ has given us the keys to conquer this. He's given us the freedom to walk how he's called us to be. And when we try to make ourselves right with God, it's like these chains have been taken off of us, and it's like trying to pick them back up and carry them just so that we can make ourselves right with God, so we can, you know, do our, do our part to be holy and righteous. But it's not our business to be doing that. Our business is to put our faith in him, to try and walk after how he's called us to walk and live how he's called us to live by the Spirit and by loving one another and doing good to one another. This makes no difference anymore. He wants us free. He wants us free from this. Uh, my point number two is that he wants us to have financial freedom. And this is a hard one for a lot of people. He wants us to be free financially. Um, in Proverbs 22, verse 7, it says, The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. We, Kylie and I, uh, we took Financial Peace University just the last, uh, last semester, like the winter break. And um, if you don't know, we have what we call Westside Bible School, uh, both spring and, and fall. And so we offer lots of different uh, discipleship classes, women's Bible studies. But then during winter, we had 
a the financial peace class. And it was a really it was good perspective. It was good to uh, help us open our eyes and just give us some some practical tips and some uh, ways to save money, to get out of debt, and all these things, right? Um, but he the every week you go in and this verse is on the screen. It says. The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. Now, we look at these chains, and they're heavy. We don't want to be slave to the lender anymore. We want to be able to take these things off and be free from debt, to be free from these chains, right? So, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give a little bit of personal testimony. Uh, I think we've been married going on seven years. <laughs> Going on seven years. <laughs> and, you know, uh, Steve commonly uses the phrase uh, uh, preference versus conviction. I'm going to define this a little bit this morning. So preferences, you know, I really prefer smooth peanut butter. But if someone hands me something, a sandwich and it's got chunky peanut butter, I'm still going to eat it. It's not, it's not something I'm willing to die for, right? I prefer smooth. Uh, a conviction is, if I, if I love smooth peanut butter so much, I would rather die than have a half a peanut stuck in there. That's a conviction. That's a conviction about something silly, <laughs> right? So in the beginning of our marriage, you know, we were, we were going to school uh, working part time, full time, and we were poor, absolutely poor. Uh, you know, I think our, our first apartment was like five hundred dollars a month, and that was including utilities. It, I mean, we and we could barely afford it. We were poor, right? And uh, tithing was not a conviction. Tithing was not a conviction. Tithing was a preference. So, we, you know, when we sit down and do the budget, when I say we sit down and do the budget, I tell Kylie how much money we don't have to spend, <laughs> right? That was us doing the budget before. And uh, Steve challenged me on this uh, early in our marriage that, that it needs to be a conviction because that's what the Bible t- calls us to. That's what the Bible, that's what the, what's best for us. Uh, it truly is what's best for us. It brings protection. It brings uh, so much covering and, and freedom when we're debt-free and when our finances are in the right order. And I'm telling you, the right order is it's all God's stuff. It's all God's. It all belongs to him. So the right order is let's give to God first what's his, right? Uh, so we start tithing. It's a small amount because we don't make much. You know, uh, we, we start getting into our house, and uh, I remember we sat down one month, and I, I, we said, I said, look, babe, we have $200 for the rest of the month. We all know how that goes. It's like the beginning of the month. We're paying the bills. We have $200 for the rest of the month. I say, we have enough money to pay our tithe, or we have enough money to pay the utility and maybe have like 60 bucks for food. And so we're looking at it, and we... we, we We've determined in our mind now, this is a conviction. So we decided to pay that, that our tithe. And, you know, I'm, we don't know how it's going to go. We don't know how we're going to be able to pay our, pay our bill. We don't know how we're going to be able to buy groceries. And the next day, Monday, I che- we checked the mail, and there's something from the, the property tax. And I'm going, oh, 
no, not another bill. We open it up, and it's a property tax reimbursement. A property tax... What? (laughs) Property tax reimbursement for more than our tithe, you guys. We all heard these stories of checks in the mail. I have a story about a check in the mail. So we were able to pay our utility and have more money to buy food than we would have before if we hadn't tithed. I'm telling you that God provides. He provides for us. And when we, when we give him our first fruits, we give him our first effort, he, he covers us. And it's not like, okay, so another story. Yesterday, so God always tests those who are speaking more than he tests everyone else. So, you know, we have, we have our baby step one from Financial Peace, out of the way. You know, we have some, some emergency fund for the, the what-ifs, the car problem, the, you know, the little things, right? And so we had our dishwasher fail a couple weeks ago. I'm going, all right, well, that's going to be pulled out of emergency fund. So I'm cl- I open the garage door. Kylie's gone. I'm doing some work yesterday. And I come back in. I close the door. And I s- turn to walk back out. And I notice that the light is still coming through the door. And I turn around. And the thing is like a can. Just, dist- just the top of it is just bent in, Right? And it got wedged. And so I had to spend like half an hour trying to get this thing unstuck so I can close the garage door. I'm looking at it. The first thing I see is dollars, like dollar signs. Like, oh my gosh, this is going to... And then I, I went, you know what? It's all yours, God. You're going to take care of it. The devil, the devil wants to... You know, these things might not be the devil like tweaking with the screws and making things not work, Right? But the devil likes to use these things to try and get us to off track. He tries to get us distracted. He tries to get us freaking out so that we're too concerned about this door to be concerned with what God's got going on. Right? So, I, you know, I looked at it for like three, four seconds and I went, oh. And then I went, it's going to work out. It's yours, God. And so I went about doing it, you know, and... Uh, it's so freeing to just not, not that I'm, we're not going to have to fix it or pay money to fix it, but to not, it's not like I don't care, but it's like I'm not worried about it. Amen. I'm just not worried about it because God has given me this freedom to trust in him. And that's what he's calling all of us to do is to trust in him. Number three is he wants us to have emotional freedom this morning. Not just this morning, but in our lives. Ephesians 4, uh, 31 and 32. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. He wants us free from anger and resentment in our lives. Matthew 18, 21 and 22 Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? Should I forgive him seven times? And Jesus replies, no, not seven, but 70 times seven. And then in Matthew 6, 14 to 15, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father in heaven will not forgive your sins. We we're not called to hold on to unforgiveness in our lives. 
It's putting these chains back on, holding on to this unforgiveness. Um, Jesus says to, to forgive 70 times 7. Now, you know, once I've gone past like a half a dozen times forgiving somebody, I don't even remember the number. I just remember I've forgiven them a lot, right? So Jesus isn't saying forgive them seven times or 70 times 7. He's saying to forgive freely. I forgave you of much so you can forgive them of little. Because our sin in our lives is so much greater than the sins that come against us. You know, at the men's advance last, last summer, the women's advance is coming up this summer, so if you haven't checked that out, please, please look at the, at the women's ministry table. Sign up. It's, it's a great ministry uh, that goes on there. But, you know... There, this guy, one of, the, one of our friends is speaking, and he's talking about forgiveness. And, and this call is to, if you have unforgiveness in your heart, to come up and to be prayed for, right? And, you know, I get this little picture in my mind, and I, I didn't even realize that I was holding this unforgiveness. I thought I was rock, I thought I was fine with this situation. But then God just highlighted, you're holding bitterness against somebody, and this person's actually a pretty close person in my life and, and, and holds a special place. And I'm, I don't want to uh, hurt feelings or offend them for this, so I'm keeping their name out. But as soon as I felt like this, I felt God say, you need to forgive this person. Come up, you know. As soon as that happened, I hear another voice saying, you can't go up there. You're a pastor at the church. You can't go up. You're supposed to have this stuff taken care of already. You can't go up there and ask for prayer for forgiveness in your heart. The enemy wants to, he lies and he tries to steal what God has from us. He tries to kill us and destroy our lives and walks with him. And he wants us to be bound in unforgiveness. Because it says right here clearly, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly father will forgive you. But if you, if you hold those things against one another, your father will not forgive your sins. Oh. And you know, I, I'm sad to say that I didn't walk up there that day. Satan really got a hold of me that, that day. And those lies penetrated my heart and twisted the truth that God was asking me to walk in and that freedom he was asking me to walk in. So about six months later, um, you know, I started praying. I talked to some friends about the situation. I started praying and praying about how to strategize, what to do, what to say to this person. And so about six months later, uh, I was able to share my heart and then back to me and just the forgiveness and the, and the grace that God brought in that situation was huge. God doesn't want us to be walking bound by these chains for any of this stuff, you guys. So God wants his people free. In Galatians 5.1, it says, it was for freedom that Christ has set us free. That's it. He wants us free. It was for freedom that he set us free. No longer bound by sin, no longer bound by death, free from legalism and rules and guilt. He also wants us free from addictions. He wants to deliver us from these things, all these things in our lives. I saw a video years ago, and it's too long for me to play this morning, but I'm going to describe it to you. Um, it's a dark stage. You know, it's real dramatic and drama. 
but there's, you can see two like figures on the stage and then a light comes on. There's a guy standing in white robes and um, you clearly know it's Jesus, right? It's, it's God, it's Jesus, it's the Father right there. And then there's another character that comes lit up and, and the action is he breathes breath into this person and this person comes alive and they move and he walks them around on stage showing his creation to them. They're dancing, they're, they're spending time with one another. And then uh, from off stage comes on this really beautiful person. This really beautiful person. And the creation looks and they get distracted by this thing. They get distracted by this person who tries to woo them and romance them away from God. And then... You know, she gets tied up in, in dancing with this, other cre- with this other person who we were not intended to be. And this, this person is lust and desires that are, are worldly desires. That's who this, rep- this person represents. And another person comes on screen who's, who's a partier. They come out with bottle in hand. And she, she, this person brings creation into the, the partying scene. And, and another person, another person comes on. And finally, like, this last one that comes on is, is, like, depression, right? And this person's cutting themselves, and it's, it's all dramatic. It's not like it's, you know, gory or anything. But then the last thing that comes on is, it looks like the Grim Reaper, like death, sin and death. And this person comes out and is trying to get this person to end their life. The whole time all these things are going on, you could see the God, the person who's playing God, calling to this person, reaching out to this person, and they don't see him. They don't look at him. They don't listen to him. And he's calling for them. And then this person's on their knees with a gun to their head, and death is behind them just whispering to them. And then she throws down the gun and tries to run to the Father. And all these sins grab onto her and hold her back and hold her down. And it's almost like they're attacking her. And I'm going to tell you that this is what these things are doing in our lives. They're holding us back. They're attacking us. And they want to steal what God has for us. And then the last thing that happens is this person is fighting. They're fighting to get to the Father. And the Father steps in between and takes it all and holds these things back so this person is now free. They're free from it all because Christ died and rose again and took all of our sin and all of our shame and all of our guilt so that we can be made right with him. Amen? This is the freedom that God truly wants us to live in this morning. And he wants us to take this freedom, accept it, and walk it out in our lives. He wants us free so that we can become who he intended us to be. Galatians five sixteen says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you will, be, you will not be doing what your sinful nature craves. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And there is no law against these things. He wants us to be walking in freedom that he's called us to. He wants us to be doing the things that he's called us to. And the last point, he wants us free 
so that we can do what he's called us to. And verse 13, for those who have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. He wants us walking in freedom. He wants us becoming the people he intends us to be, not bound by chains, not being a slave to these things, being put in places we're not supposed to be. He, he has a plan for each of us, and he has a job for each of us, and he wants us to be able to walk in the Spirit and love one another. To go, our theme this year is to go, to go, and to be able to speak to our neighbors and tell them that God loves them through our actions in our lives. It's not just this face, this face, uh, two-faced lie that we tell one thing and we do another. He wants us to be able to live by the Spirit. And I, you know, I really feel like there's people here this morning that this is now hitting, and it makes sense. And if you want to take that step this morning, it's like was said this morning, it's just simple as saying, yes, God. Lord, I know that you died on the cross for me. You took my sins and my shame. And I want to make you Lord of my life this morning. You can do that this morning. I'm going to pray. And if you would just bow your heads. And if, if you want to make this decision to follow Christ this morning, just raise your hand. He is faithful and just to forgive. And he wants to free us from the bondage of sin and death this morning. So I'm going to pray. And if you would just raise your hand and, ex- and take this prayer, even if, you know, maybe you're stuck in some of these things and you want victory, you could just pray along with me as well. So Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it is true and you are faithful to us. Lord, I thank you that you have broken these chains off of us, that you have conquered sin and you beat death for us. Lord, you are so good. And Lord, if, you're, if you want to make this decision this morning, raise your hand and say this prayer with me. Lord, I want to make you Lord of my life. I put you first this morning. Lord, I accept the gift that you've given me by dying on the cross and, ro- and be- being rose three days later. Amen. Amen. And Lord, I thank you for making a way for me to be right with you. And I don't have to do it in my own strength, but I can do it in your strength this morning. Lord, thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for what you're doing. Lord, we love you and we give you everything this morning. Amen.